<laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to Todd the Brain Cell. Guys, we're all here. We're all here. It's we're all here in spirit, but not in body. Exactly. Oh, yes. It is our first online. online episode that we are recording together from the comforts of our own homes as we're too busy to meet up in person at this point. College is starting back up soon. A coup was staged yesterday. A coup. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, Crime, you know. <laughs> um, but, so bear with us with any technical difficulties that are going to be happening. Um, and any weird noises you might hear from Discord, audio input's a lot really weird to deal with, especially when you don't, you know, it's not something you're savvy with, um, which is none of us. Uh, but... <laughs> Um, I'm going to put out a little disclaimer at the beginning of our episode, and I will be doing this for the following episodes, as we are going to be doing our trauma episodes this, uh, for the next four uploads, which is eight weeks. Um, and uh, to disclaimer, number one, I'm going to put out a content warning. This is going to be extremely sensitive content, whether it deals with mental health issues, family relations or very traumatic things that happen to us if you are triggered easily please don't listen to this that's not our intention we have i'm putting a content warning out there because simply put we are not responsible for anyone's triggers but i'm putting a content warning out there for legal purposes um and then another disclaimer on top of this which is not for legal purposes for personal purposes is to say that we are doing this not to um we're not doing this to minimize or diminish or make fun of anyone's trauma make you feel like you know your trauma isn't valid because someone's is quote worse no matter what the worst thing that's happened to you is the worst thing that's happened to you and it's the exact same for another person and that does not and just because that person's is seen by a moral standard worse that does not invalidate your feelings about your trauma and how you should be feeling about it and i just want to mention that also that we are of the younger generation so we make fun of everything we talk about and so we'll be making fun of very very sensitive topics today um so yeah, is that laugh the pain away? Laugh the pain away. Pog the pain away. Um, Pog. Pog the Poggers. Poggers. Um, no, yeah, did I miss like, anything, friends? Legal reasons. This is not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think I missed anything. So, um, we're kind of by our standards, we've deemed who has the least and most trauma out of all of us uh. um, because we're a friend group, and you know. It's kind of just a good time. So we're going to be going from least to most. Um, and starting out today is going to be Xander. Um, so this whole episode is going to be about huh? you. I know. Um, it's kind of scary. Yeah. yeah, it is scary. <laughs> so um, I'm going to let you take the floor then. Okay. Um, hi, I'm Xander. Hi, Xander. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Um, I, I'm going to start this off by saying that this is not something that I enjoy talking about. I mean, I, I, I barely opened up to like 10 people about it. 
Um, but guess what? The whole world can know now. Um, Sometimes it's the best way to, to heal. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, originally, like, when, when we first decided that we were going to talk about, uh, you know, trauma episodes, um, like, when I got to my car, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this because, well, first thing you should know about me is that I'm just scared. Um, and... And you know what? That's okay. And I thought about it a lot. And um, I realized that, you know what? I think it's probably fine. Um, you know, the dark reaches of the internet. Um, you know, not sure, you know, if the right people are going to hear this or not. Um, and, you know, saying the right thing or the wrong thing and having it go to the wrong ear could, you know, be dangerous for anyone. Um, but that's something that I'm very afraid of. Um, so yeah, uh, there's that, um, it's just, you know, my trauma. <laughs> uh, that's um, valid. And we, and that's another thing is none of us here are going to share something that we are uncomfortable with sharing. It's not like we're forcing each other to share anything. If he didn't want to do this, or if any one of us choose that we don't want to do this, we're not going to. That's not something that we're making each other do because that's just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, I, yeah, and so th this is something that I don't really joke about either. It's because it's hard and it hurts and it will always hurt. Um, and you know, I, I've accepted that, but I mean, it doesn't really make the pain any less, you know? Um, so without further ado, um, let's get into it. Let's dive deep into this story of woe. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, freshman year of high school was pretty good. Like, freshman year of high school rocked. I don't know about anyone else, but, I like, you it was pretty time. good. God. I, I don't agree. <laughs> I'm I glad you yeah, Gabby and I are like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was good for me. Um, sophomore year, though, sophomore year is when oh. shit hit the fan. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm just gonna, I, I, I know that we've done trigger warnings and I know that we've done everything else. So again, I'm warning anybody out there on internet land, this is just really sensitive stuff. Um, so sophomore year, um, you know, I had this really awesome friend group. It was really big. Um, we were all just really fun people. Um, and then somebody that, um, a couple people knew, uh, committed suicide. Um, that is the first time I had ever really known someone who took their own life. Um, so that was, um, a mess and people kind of took it in their own ways. Uh, the the couple of people who were really close to him took a lot of time and they were out of school for a couple of weeks. Um, I know they still visit his grave too, um, which is really sweet. Um, but I mean, that, that I think right there was the moment that just kind of shattered the friend group. Um, and I didn't really know how to deal with that um, like I said, it's like, that was the first time I'd ever remotely been close to 
anything that big, that scarring. Um, and so I kind of felt lost. Um, and you know what, I kind of, I don't know why, but I think I was just naive. Um, but it's like, I saw other people and I saw, you know, how depressed everyone was, but that's just high school I learned. Um, and I was like, this, this, can I do anything about this? And so I took it upon myself as this, you know, shining savior of light, I guess, to, you know, try to make people's days brighter um, and try to, you know, help people. Um, but uh, turns out being that kind of healing aura draws in those who would use it uh, for their own gain. So there were two individuals who particularly latched on to me. Um, one was extraordinarily suicidal um, and told me so often. Um, and so even though everything I did, everything that I tried to do, try to make them feel that, you know, they were more, that they were worth living, that they had so much that everything that I did and they said, thank you. And they said, you like, you're the reason I'm still alive and all of that. But every day it was the same. It never got better. And the longer I was stuck like that, the longer it, took me to realize that they were just using me because they wanted attention. And it's an awful, awful thing to realize that, especially about a topic as heavy as suicide. I mean, you can't, you can't even begin to just understand what was going through my mind. Um, but also during that time, there was a guy who, um, you know, had, you know, broken up with his girlfriend, didn't get the part in the musical that he wanted. Um, also just really, really um, close to the edge. Um, and so, you know, I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to be your friend and I'm going to be here for you. Um, and he kind of took me under his wing. He was a year older and he, um, he, he was kind of like, um, I don't know what he was like. He was like a lot of things. Um, he was kind of a hick, um, kind of a cowboy. He was in choir and theater and, um, like D and D that, uh, he actually got me into D and D. Um, said he was 5'9", but he wasn't. He was definitely Yeah, I, uh, I was taller than him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was fun. <laughs> um, but, you know, time went on and we got closer and um, I look back on it and I realized that he kind of pulled me away from everyone else. Um, the other person did too. And so, you know, I was kind of isolated by them so that, you know, only they could use me. <laughs> Um, as their friend, or I wouldn't even call it that at this point, so that they could use me. Um, now this guy, um, we're, you know what, let's give him a name because it's really hard to like, just talk about this guy. Um, 
let's say, um... See, I always just call them shitheads, so... Baby! <laughs> Don't even yeah, like, my name, just shithead. That works. Yeah, let's do shithead. Shithead works. Um, so shithead. <laughs> yeah, so shithead um, did not come from, you know, a loving family as I did. Um, shithead uh, apparently uh, had a broken heart, literally. Um, uh, shithead, you know, wanted to like be in the army or whatever, but his heart defect prevented him from doing that, so he didn't know his purpose in life. Um, so shithead, you know, explained all these things, and shithead told me all these things, um, and you know, I I got closer and closer to him because I didn't want him to slip through the cracks, you know. I mean, what if one day I showed up to school and he just wasn't there because of something I said or didn't say? I mean, that that's a kind of pressure that nobody should feel, um, especially not a sophomore kid who doesn't know any better, doesn't know anything. Um, and so we were really close, um, and our choir went on a trip uh, to a different city, and we were, you know, sitting on a bench, and, you know, I told him that, you know, I was gay and he was actually the first person I ever came out to, um, which is really kind of fucked up. <laughs> um, and so on our way back from the trip, um, you know, we sat next together, uh, next to each other on the bus. Um, and, you know, we got back and, you know, we were just talking and he was like trying to push me away for whatever reason. And I was like, what's going on? Um, and so I went over to his house and he told me that he had feelings for me. Um, now, please understand that I didn't know anything. I, I had never been in any sort of relationship um, certainly not one where I could, you know, actually express my sexuality. Um, that's not the best way to explain it, I guess. But, um, it, it felt electric. It felt, um, like a high. It felt like so much all at once. Um, and so, you know, I started dating him in the closet. Um, and he was massively in the closet too. Like, seriously, it's like every time, you know, I would go over to his house, like he would, you know, talk about how his dad, you know, made fun of, you know, gay people or something. And, you know, I would sit there and I would hold him and I would kiss him and I would make sure everything was okay because that's what I thought I needed to do. I thought I needed to make everything okay. And I thought that, you know, anything that I did was to make him feel better. It's that he wasn't gone tomorrow. Um, so flash forward a couple weeks and, um, you know, we have a sleepover. And so, um, needless to say, we didn't really do a whole lot of sleeping. Um, if you kind of catch my drift and, uh, I, I really, really hate myself for all of it. I mean, it was consensual all the way through. And I regret every moment. And it's really, really, really hard to look back on it. Um, so every time we had a sleepover, we um, didn't really do a whole lot of sleeping. Um, and, you know, we 
grew closer or I grew closer to him. Um, and, you know, he kept going on about, you know, how much his life sucked or, you know, how much his family didn't love him um, or, you know, how just messed up he was on the inside. Um, and you know what? Um, it was a lot and it was so much and it was just more than I could handle because there was one night that I remember very distinctly that he put a um, gun under his head and told me this is what he did the night before. He just sat up and waited with the gun under his head, just wondering if he would pull the trigger. You know what it's like to see your boyfriend put a gun under his head and tell you that he's suicidal? Do you know what that does to a person? I know the word for it now. It's called grooming. This person chose me for whatever reason and decided I was going to be the one he was going to use. And by the time you realize that you've been used, it is too late and you feel you can't get out. I thought that I loved him and I thought that he loved me and I was so, so incredibly wrong. Because I went on a life-changing experience to a different country that I want to move back to. And you know what? It was amazing because the entire time I didn't even think about him. I never once thought about my suicidal boyfriend because I was in this amazing land and she wasn't there to drag me down. And I felt so light. I felt so free and I could do anything that I wanted. And I got to see the world and I never wanted that to change. And then I came back and it was just all the same, which was great. Um, and so he had apparently done some soul searching and growing on his own in that time um, and realized he didn't like me anymore because he confessed to me that he had feelings for a mutual friend. This beautiful, wonderful girl that is my best friend today. Um, and I was like, okay, I didn't really know how to take that because um, I had put so much work into this little project that I didn't know that it could feel for itself. Um, and so I kind of let it go and we broke up right before my junior year. Um, and I was really upset for a while, for a long time until I realized just how light I felt about that burden. And it was just amazing. <laughs> And so when you, when you tell me things about suicide and the people who threaten it, I, it's hard for me not to be angry or upset because I, I don't know if I'm being used anymore. I don't know if, you know, for whatever reason, I'm going to be the one who is end up getting hurt. I mean, I'm, I personally have never been suicidal, 
Um, I, I don't know how I'm not considering everything. Um, and there's just a well of determination and gumption to just keep going inside of me, despite everything. Um, and I continue to draw from that well every day. Um, but the story isn't finished yet, um, which is uh, so, so wrong in so many ways. Um, so, you know, he broke up with me or we broke up um, before my junior year. Um, and then he started dating my friend, the girl that he had feelings for. Um, you know, I kind of did some reconnaissance and asked her, you know, how she felt about everything. And she was like, yeah, I don't really know. And then, you know, two weeks later, you know, she's like, man, I kind of like him. And um, it's really unfortunate because I know exactly how that feels. Um, I got to see everything that he did to me happened to her from an outside perspective. I got to see him pull her away from her friends. I got to see him make her feed out of his hand. I got to see him make her so much less than what she is. And I got to see him make him dependent on her or make her think that he was dependent on her. The word is grooming, kids, and it can happen to anyone, and you will never know until it hits you. And so if people say that there are red flags about, you know, whoever you're interested in, listen to them. For the love of God, just listen to them. Because, you know what, maybe an outside perspective is what you need. And because I didn't give mine to my friend, she went through the exact same thing. And I know because she told me. And while I can take everything that he did to me and I can take all that in stride and I can have that be a part of my story and have that dark stain on my life, I can take that, I can take all of that. But the one thing that I don't think I will ever forgive him for is doing the exact same thing to her. Because she is the most important person to me and she, I love her more than anything else on this earth. And I let him do the same thing to her that he did to me. And that is something that I will never forgive him for and never forgive myself for. Because I could have said something. I could have prevented it. I could have, I could have done anything to prevent it. And I was just too scared. Because this shithead is unstable. He is scary. And when I say unstable and scary, I mean it in the clinical sense. I genuinely believe that he has a chemical imbalance in his brain and needs to seek help and won't ever. And I think a lot of people are going to get hurt because so many already have. When I say unstable, I'm talking about suicidal. I'm talking about there are times where I wondered if he would shoot up the school. 
That's what I'm talking about. So I am scared and I have been for so long to say anything because there is nothing in my mind to make me doubt that if he knew that I told anyone important about what he did and what he's done, that he would come over to my house and kill me and my family. Because he's insane. He's a psychopath. And though you can say it's like, oh, that's probably never gonna happen. That's 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 unreal. That that's that's unreasonable. It's not. Because nothing is unreasonable with an unreasonable person. It's terrifying. And so I I was bullied throughout my junior year by him while he was dating my friend. I was pushed away from my friends um, because of him during my junior year after he had broken up with me while he was doing the same thing that he did my friend. And I felt like nothing next to him. And that was the point. And um, there was just so much that happened and so much. And I tried to be civil. I didn't say anything. I didn't suggest anything. I told people that I didn't like him. Sure, I didn't at that point. I hated him. I hate his guts to the ends of this earth and back. <laughs> and I told people that. And I will continue to tell people that because I do. And... <laughs> And so, um, you know, prom was coming up and, um, you know, I wanted to go with my friends because <laughs> um, I thought that we were all going as, you know, a group because that's what we did for homecoming, you know, all the years before. Um, and so uh, I shared advisory class with my best friend and she was the one to tell me that he didn't want me to go in their group, that he had practically uninvited me. Um, that was also uh, the day of the like senior ceremony or whatever it was. And so I got to sit there like straight backed, just perfectly poised in the assembly as I tried to simmer and quell the just rage that ran through me. Um, it's kind of funny because uh, my advisory teacher actually commented on my posture. <laughs> That's how I remember it. Um, and so I didn't really know what I was going to do. Prom was also the same night of my brother's confirmation. So I just figured, you know what, if I'm not going to you know, go out with anyone, I'm just going to go to his confirmation banquet. And I'm just going to have dinner there before I go to prom. Um, because I wanted to ask somebody out to dance. <laughs> um, so um, I was walking in the halls, you know, planning this up. And then this wonderful girl, this beautiful, wonderful girl asked me if I wanted to be a part of their group. 
because she had heard everything that had gone on. And she thought, well, he can come join us. And I'm going to be honest, I think that's the kindest thing anybody has ever done to me. Done for me. Um, it's just that one moment where you're just in a stew of all these negative emotions. And then just someone comes in and says, hey, you know what? Just forget about that for a night. And you know what? I did. And so I joined their group and I had fun. For prom, we went to a restaurant, we took pictures, and we showed up to prom, and we looked awesome. Like, seriously, my my suit was fly. It was so cool. I love that suit. I want to get one just like it um, when I have enough money for it. Um, and it, it, I felt just so, yeah, I felt just so empowered and... Um, <laughs> Um, I had this thing in my mind where I was just going to walk up to him and uh, say something at prom uh, just to, I didn't care if I got punched. I don't care if I got stabbed. I just wanted to say something to him so that he knew just exactly how I felt in that moment, just how good I felt. And so I found him, I think at the beginning of the night, and I just walked up to him and said, Hey, shithead, nice to see you're here. Um, I showed up with my friends, um, and you know what? I can tell that I am going to have a much better night than you. Um, May the 4th be with you, because at that point it was May the 4th, and he was a huge Star Wars nerd. And right before I turned around, I could see him just try to lunge at me before he was held back by someone. And I just turned around, and I had a wonderful night. I had a beautiful, wonderful night. And I asked somebody out to dance, but they had to go before I actually could. But you know what? I think I think that, you know, asking him out to dance or this guy out to dance uh, was, you know, my first steps for coming out to the world. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, and you know what? I never saw that. I never saw Shithead for pretty much the rest of the night which was awesome. I got to be with my friends, my good friends, my real friends, not just the people who had invited me to come along with them. And it was wonderful. It was so good. And I feel so bad for my best friend uh, because, you know, she went with Shithead to prom and she had to deal with him for the rest of the night after that. Um, so, yeah. Uh, after... All of that, we said that we would put our differences aside and we would just continue to keep going on. And so I didn't say anything about what he did to me. Um, I didn't do anything. Uh, I played Dungeons and Dragons with him and that was kind of my only Dungeons and Dragons pie until Autumn, you know, gave me another out. <laughs> um, and, you know, every single night, I just hated going over to his house. I hated being in his basement and seeing his bed and the marks on his desk where he would, you know, stab his knife. I hated all of that, but I did it so that I could save face or help him save face. So, um, my best friend broke, well, 
no, that's not right. He broke up with my best friend right before our senior year. Um, he actually gave all of their photos back to her and gave everything that she ever gave him back to her, which is like the most dick move ever um, because he doesn't get to do that to her after everything else he did to her. Um, and it took me until winter of that year to tell her everything he did to me. And when I did, she told me her story and everything that he did to her. Um, so that's how I know. And that's, that's how, you know, everything kind of came to a head and everything kind of came to an end because after, you know, they broke up, I didn't see him again. I had no reason to, he had graduated and there was no reason for me ever to be in his life or for him to be in mine. And I'm glad for that <laughs> because I'm going to be really honest. I have a lot of problems, um, that I, that I didn't talk about. And so they festered for a long time and got really bad for a while. Um, there was a point in time where there was just always something that reminded me of him or anything that happened and I would just freeze and I would just be swallowed up in the memories and I would just relive that over and over and over again in that one moment and I, I was stuck I couldn't do anything I couldn't move and I couldn't breathe and I was shaking so hard because I couldn't breathe because I couldn't do anything and I was just stuck there frozen and nobody noticed I mean, I'm not, I'm not the kind of person who, you know, is a large part of a conversation. I, I like listening. Like, I like just sitting there and enjoying the conversation for what it is. And I would just have these moments and nobody would know. And I was just surrounded by people and I couldn't say anything because, I mean, what if I said something? What if he knew? What if, you know, everybody knew? And what if they thought less of me? You know? Because I think less of myself. And I know that's not okay, but I do. And I'm working on it. Um, and so I just had these moments. Thankfully, I don't really have them anymore. Um, but there, there are just some things now that I just can't. I just can't. Um, a specific make of car, a specific smell, um, specific face structure. Um, there are just, I, I can't do sea shanties. I know they're fun, but I just can't because that's something that he would do. Um, I can't do country because that's something that he would listen to. I, I just, can't. um, yeah, it does suck. It's just awful. Um, but I, I just, I just, when I hear it, I just, it, Everything just rushes at me, and I, have to, I just have to take a moment and just breathe, and then just continue on after it all, because it's it's just hard. I mean, I, I never expected that, you know, if I looked at just some random van on the road, I would just be hit with all of these emotions all at once. Um, and so, uh, you know, there there are also some things in D&D 
some just tropes and some things that you know people or characters do where it just it gets to me and it takes me a moment i mean i don't i don't know if i ever want to play another warlock again because of it which is so weird and wrong but it's just something that i can't do and i've tried i have it's it's just so hard um so I thought about, you know, my symptoms and everything. And while I'm not self-diagnosing myself, I'm also going to liken them to PTSD. Um, and it's kind of funny because, you know, I will talk with my best friend and she will say that she has a, does the same thing. It's almost exactly the same triggers that I have. The car, the songs the faces. Um, and it's kind of scary too now because um, I don't, I don't know, and I'm not sure about anything because he is unstable. And I will continue to say that because he is, and he needs to seek help. And if he wants to seek help, then I will help him because that's who I am. Um, but when I, I say that, um, I am afraid of the monster that goes bump in the night, that monster has a face. The thing that makes a noise outside that has a face. I don't like people coming up and touching me because I'm scared because I don't know who it is because it could be him. And if it is, then I'm dead. Or I'm somewhere where I would rather be dead. Um, uh, and so I was actually watching um, a West Wing episode the other day um, where this character was talking about you know they he was in therapy um and he was going through his day and the therapist uh pretty much said it's like yeah you have ptsd and when i was watching that episode i cried i cried so much because i had never been just everything that was shown everything that the character experienced was almost exactly how i felt and what i experienced and it was just so like overwhelming in that one moment to to like see something that was so close to youth, so close to home. Um, and so the one thing that I took from that episode is that you have to remember your past without reliving it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna take that to heart because. Um, because I do, because that's the only way that we're going to be able to move on, yeah? Because if we can't get past what happened, then we won't be able to take that other step forward. Um, so uh, it, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of weird to think about, because though sometimes I wish I could go back and change it all so that it never happened in the first place, I, I don't think I could 
because I am thankful for the person who I am today. And without all of that pain, I wouldn't be who I am today. Without all those experiences, I wouldn't be as kind or as understanding or as genuine as I am. And so while our experiences shape us, we get to decide how we react to them. And while sometimes those reactions are also out of our control, you can gain control. Because even though I am probably scarred for life and will never be okay, truly okay, and I've accepted that, even though I will never be really okay, I know that I'm better than him because I learned from my mistakes. I know that I'm going to do wonderful, amazing things and see this world and make it a better place. And I know that because I know that he never will. Because he's the kind of person who refuses to change. He is stuck continuously thinking that he's some sort of victim when he's not. He's continuously stuck in this loop of woe is me and I'm never going to be able to get out of my you know, hometown when that's the only thing that's stopping him from doing just that. Ooh, excuse me, I, I just burped. Um, and so I take incredible pleasure in knowing that I will always, in every single capacity, be better than him simply because I'm being a better human being. And though I don't think I will ever get closure, on this subject, there is nothing more that I would love to do safely, if at all possible. Because I'm pretty sure if I did this, and he would kill me. <laughs> um, but there's nothing more that I would love to do than to just look him in the eyes and tell him, you know what? All those times that you told me you were a monster, and I told you that you weren't I was telling the truth because I don't believe in monsters. Monsters aren't real, but people are. And people have the power to choose do horrible things or great. And you know what? You, shithead, you just chose to be a real shit human being and you will never change that. And that's it. I am working on some of my problems and I am working on being better than who I was before. And in that way, I win. I win this little battle. And it's not about winning or losing because for me, it's about surviving and just living my life and as normally as I can. Um, so um, that's my trauma. Um, I have problems and I don't talk about them because they're mine. They're no one else's. Um, they're personal and it's hard to talk about it because it hurts and it's something that, you know, is very close to me. It's not dear at all, it's just close, sensitive. Um, and that's okay, because 
even though nobody will ever be anywhere close to okay one day, something like it would be nice. So yeah. what a savior complex would do to you. Yeah. Because mine's mine's yeah. coming off right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um I I hate I hate the victim card. Um I hate feeling like I play it <laughs> because of everything that I've been through and everything that I've seen because the people who play the victim card on me don't like anymore. Um so it's there are just a couple things where I know I should be a little bit more sensitive about that I just can't be, and that's one of them. Uh, and I'm just very callous about it now, I guess. Uh, so yeah, it's um, it's a lot, and I know it's not like anybody else's. Um, I mean, there is only one person on this planet who can even remotely understand what I went through, and she is my best friend because she went through the exact same thing. But even still, I will never be able to truly know how much it's impacted her or how much it's impacted me. And that's what trauma is. It's individual and it will either control your life or it will just nudge it. And you get to decide because you get to decide how you react to it. And that will decide how it reacts to you. And it takes time. I mean, seriously, I told my parents, you know, like two months ago, and it happened over two years ago. That's insane. I was just so afraid for so long. I mean, I came out to my parents at the beginning of my senior year and it took me that long. I mean, seriously. I mean, my parents are loving people. I love my parents. And I knew there was gonna be no issue, but I was still afraid. And for what? It's always this notion now. That's something that I've gotten out of this is that I'm, I'm just, I, I need to second guess now. I need to be sure before I make a decision, especially when it comes to matters of the heart. Cause I mean, I don't know about you, but like, if you know my last boyfriend, Jacob, um, that oh, was oh, I, hate, I, hate him so I, wanted, I know I wanted a remotely good dating experience in high school. So I said you and went along for the ride. Um, which I guess is something that shithead would have done, which hurts me. That's how I do it. But, yeah. So, um, yeah, I just need to be careful now. I know the flags to look out for. I know what not to do. And I know what I'm looking for. And uh, that makes trying to find a relationship kind of hard. Because <laughs> even though I'm touch starved um, and I want somebody to, you know, just, God, there's nothing more that I want in this world than to just you know, have a guy that I love and who loves me in return to just hold me and make me feel safe. Because <laughs> I don't feel safe anymore. Not truly. Um, so I'm kind of hoping that when I get on campus, I'm going to feel a little bit better. But living in such close proximity to shithead, it's just not good, you know? So, um, yeah. It, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I say yeah a lot because I don't know what else to say. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my trauma, friends. Um, there is so much more that I will never be able to unpack in an hour sitting or even more because, again, nobody will ever really know but me. And it's hard to make people understand, you know, what goes through your head, uh, which is wild and weird. And they should really make a device or some sort of machine that allows people to do that. But you know what? Science has failed us thus far. So until then, you will never know. Yeah. And when yeah. it comes down to talking about your trauma, it's not about, like, the underlying goal is to make people understand. But that's not what it's for. Talking to people about your trauma is to get it out. For the fact they don't have to understand that they can listen. Because there are some people who just can't understand. They aren't empaths. They aren't, you know, they don't have that ability. But talking to people about it, especially people who are around you. This is why, boy oh boy, when we get to my episode, it's going to be a time. Because I'm mm. very blatant about things. I'm very honest in, about things. Because... I want my friends to know, you know, and this is just a personal thing, that I want my friends to be able to know all these things. That way, they can make their decision about what they're going to do. So, like, for example, I'm, like, they're not doing something to me that's going to trigger me or something that's going to, like, you know, make me freak out or something like that. Because while, yes, other people's triggers are not your responsibility, Sometimes in a friend group, you can kind of work around a few when it comes down to it without it restricting and inhibiting your life. And mm -hmm. that's why it's important to talk to people around you because, like, as scary as it is, if I would have known about this, I probably genuinely would have encouraged you to get law enforcement involved. Because God, yeah. as much as I hate law enforcement... Or sorry, I the mean, system law enforcement serves. It's when you're feeling that unsafe. I mean, that's when the restraining order needs to be put in place. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that would I, also I, send him to a to a hospital. Yeah. Um, so um, there is nothing that I can do, and I've done research on it. Um, I mean, even a restraining order, like the evidence for it would be very soft, um, especially with no current um, evidence. But um, my friend, um, she did not always consent. So, um, she, and I would never make her, never ask her to, never in a million years, because I know that, <coughs> sorry. <clears throat> I know that I would never make her and that she would never make me, but she could. She very well could. She could make his life hell. But we're just scared. And we're okay with not, if it means not having to deal with that again. <clears throat> and that's... So that's fun. That's, that's the thing that sucks about it, is that you know, you feel like that, and then, but you have it on the other hand that you're going to be feeling like that for the rest of your life. No matter where you move, no matter where you go, that's how trauma works. It doesn't matter. And it probably Like, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to be on the opposite side of the planet 
I'm still gonna jump at the scary noise in the night. Exactly. Then again, it could also just be a kangaroo, in which case you should fear for your life. But it'll probably and... be like one of the, oh. uh, the fucking drop fuckers. What are they called? I can't remember what they're called. Uh, the oh, I don't remember. Do you know? You know exactly what I'm talking about, though. There's yes, like I know exactly what you're so talking about. But yes. What? Hold Wait. on. Let me. They're disgusting. I can't Google it. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to Google it. It's gross. Drop bears. Drop yeah. bears. That's what they are. Dude, those are. Oh, crazy. those. Oh, I love them. <laughs> <laughs> They're so scary. Um, but. Yeah, so. And we knew that we, you know, as we preface this, this shit's going to be heavy. Now Sanders may be heavier than others because a lot of us like to joke more, but that's just our personalities. <laughs> I looked up Drop Bear and it says it's a hoax. It's not. What? Drop Bears exist, thank you very much. Drop Bear, fictional that creature. It's a hoax in contemporary Australian folklore. Either way. Sorry, guys. It's, it's, just, a, it's just a koala. Oh, yeah. Jeez. No, that's, yeah. Way to go, Jacob. You ruined my dreams of getting mauled by a drop bear. I'm sorry. Anyone, is anyone else not terrified of koalas? We should be. No. No. We, they sleep for like no. 22 hours of the day. Exactly. Exactly. They have the energy. <laughs> they have the energy if they want. They have the energy to do anything. They can live their ass in like the 22 out of 24 hours. So, it's a time. It is a time. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, is it? So, yeah, thanks for coming to our TED Talk. <laughs> yeah, basically. Oh, wait, is that trademarked? <laughs> oh, <please. laughs> Let me look it up. <laughs> thanks for coming to my talk, talk that was made by Theodore. Of Theodore Talks? Of Theodore Talks. <laughs> Um, oh my gosh, it's on Urban Dictionary. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I love it. Um, but yeah, so that's where we'll leave today's episode. To, uh, um, nope, it's not because a lot of people um, end their tweets with that. Love that, good. And they're famous people, um, so. Next time, exactly. Jacob will be speaking. I should have gone first. Yeah, <laughs> we're um, all realizing slowly. Wait a minute. Do not watch all of these in one sitting. Yeah, no. no. It's Unless you really want to feel something. Unless you no, really want to feel something. Listen to Xander's last. <laughs> I mean, dear yeah. God. Oh. <laughs> like, watch one at a time. Like, put some puppies in between. Or, like, you know, like, listen your to, pet. like, you could listen to Xander's and you could listen to, like, Gabby or I's because we laugh so much. Um... <laughs> And then, like, intermittently, like, you know, because that way you have some laughter in between. Yeah. Or you could just rewatch old episodes. Boom. Okay. Well, Linda, how Ted Cruz absolutely the Zodiac Ted Cruz. No. I hate him so much. He's. Zodiac so confirmed. We'll talk about him in my episode. <laughs> okay. My friends, I'm going to end. It's been a pleasure. Okay. And Indeed. Absolutely. So, yeah. Bye. Bye.